You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Go Wild is a free social community created for and by hunters. This means that unlike mainstream social media, your trophy pictures won't be censored. They're encouraged. As you spend time on Go Wild, you will earn awesome rewards such as gift cards, free swag, and big discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex. You will even earn $10 just for signing up. Visit DownloadGoWild.com and sign up today. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to this edition of the Hunting Gear Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson. And today, we are going to be talking with Judd and Preston from Hornady Manufacturer. This, these guys are a bullet manufacturer. Now, self-admittedly, I know nothing about guns. I know nothing about bullets, how bullets are made, drop, distance, whatever, like all the buzzwords. And, and you'll, you'll hear in this, uh, in this episode that these guys actually have to correct some of the verbiage that I use. Uh, when talking about ammunitions and bullets and whatnot. And so I don't know anything about it. These guys are the experts, but I felt like it was important to get a company like Hornady on the podcast because several of you, you know, we're not all just archers. At, at some point throughout the year, even myself, you know, for, for turkey season, I use a shotgun. And I, I felt like it was important to step into the firearm side of things for, for a day and uh, talk with someone who's a lot smarter than me about all of this stuff. And uh, that's what uh, today's podcast is about. Now, um, on this episode, we talk about, you know, manufacturing process. We talk about casings. We talk about uh, powder. We talk about um, design innovation. And so it's a really cool episode. Uh, I definitely walked away from this episode learning a lot. Hopefully you guys do too. And that's really it, man. I'm going to keep this intro short. We got to thank uh, the partners of the Hunting Gear Podcast right now, and that's Tethered. If you are looking for a saddle, then we definitely need to go check out uh, Tethered. 
uh, saddle hunting accessories, platforms, saddles themselves, climbing sticks, you name it, they have it. Uh, and uh, on top of that, they have a huge community surrounding their product line. They have some new products that have just come out. You need to go check that out, tetherednation.com. Uh, so if you want to learn how to become a better saddle hunter, go check out Tethered. Hunt Stand, again, just a, a place. The functionality with Hunt Stand, there's a lot of it, right? So the first thing that I always recommend to people is don't take my word for it. Go to HuntStand.com, read up on all the functionality, and see how this app can benefit you, right? See if it fits your needs as a hunting app. And it, it does a really good job, man. I mean, I'm talking about the ability to just journal everything that you see, the ability to document and um, organize trail cam pictures. The, uh, it's just the playbook for your season. And especially if you're interested in um, specific caliber of animals, Hunt Stand allows you to document all of that, journal all of that. So when it comes time to get out in the woods, you have this playbook right in front of you. Uh, so go check out all the functionality and all the availability of you know, information on HuntStand.com, and I think you guys would be surprised. Uh, last but not least, Tacticam. Uh, Tacticam is one of those companies that uh, allows you to document your hunts. Now, if you don't know what Tacticam is, it is an action cam that can mount to your gun or your bow, and uh, they have several other uh, like uh, mounting uh, brackets that you can like put in the tree over your shoulder and really document your hunt. If you're the type of guy who likes to make YouTube videos, or if you're the type of guy who likes to just hit the record button so you can go home, show your wife, your kids, your, your brother, sister, whatever, and just show them on, uh, show them what you've seen. It's it's fun to do, and so the new 6.0 version has the ability to. Um, what is it? The, the the new 6.0 has an LCD screen on it. It has the ability to record in 4K. It has uh, so it has the playback function and it has Im image stabilization. So no more shaky videos. If you want to find out more, go visit Tacticam's website and read up on the 6.0. That's it for commercials. I really appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to hop on and listen. Huge shout out to the guys from Hornady for taking time to do this episode. And, and you know, on the Nine Finger Chronicles, I always talk about good vibes, right? So we're gonna we're gonna have good vibes today. Good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you after this show. All right, on the Hunting Gear Podcast with me today, we're talking with Judd and Preston from Hornady. Gentlemen, welcome to the Hunting Gear Podcast. Hey, thank you, Dan. It's 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 pretty cool to be chatting with you here. I've I've been actually a long time listener, so it's kind of neat to to be on this side for once. Oh, perfect. Thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, I, I will be completely honest. I'm a bow hunter, okay. And so I I felt like the hunting gear podcast always leans towards archery, but I know all of my listeners participate in some type of, you know, firearm, whether that's turkeys or, you know, many states have rifle seasons, you know, or go out west or even just sport shooting, okay? And so I feel like at times I'm doing them uh, a disservice when I don't talk about firearms. And, and today, obviously, with you guys, we're, we're going to focus on ammunition. And so uh, it's awesome to get you guys on and kind of break the cycle, of my ignorance, so to speak. And, uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm relying on you guys a lot for 
to be the experts today, and I'm just going to ask a whole bunch of dumb questions. Yeah, right on. Yeah, heck yeah, we're ready for it. You know, I mean, I'm going to jump in and, and say some stuff right here. You know, all of us around the office, we do specialize on the ammunition, firearm side of things, but we are hunters. So in, in Nebraska, where we're at, we've got a four-month archery season. Yeah. So I would say the majority of us here take advantage of that, you know, oh, yeah. along with the rifle, rifle seasons and the muzzleloader season. So, yeah. you know, we, we do it all. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this, man. Um, one thing I like about companies, and, and if you are watching this on YouTube, I'm wearing a Vortex Optics shirt. And the reason I like working with Vortex and several other the uh, several other companies that I that I work with is the simple fact that they are participants in the activity in which their product sells. Right. So Vortex, a lot of their guys are outdoorsmen or sports shooters. Sounds like you guys are the same. And it's awesome because it, it makes a company relatable to the end user Whereas other companies that I dealt with, you call them up and they're just like, oh, I'm sorry, I've never been in a tree stand before. Or I've, I don't know what a turkey gobble sounds like or, you know, whatever the whatever you want to throw out there. So it's refreshing to hear. I don't know, for me anyway, it's refreshing to hear yeah. that a, a, a company like yourself has a, a bunch of participants working for it. Yeah. Well, it's like any new product development. It's because we we want it. Yeah. It's not because we think an end user wants it. But, yeah. Right. You know, there's a, we're all working on stuff, and and if we think there's a better mousetrap that we can use, we're gonna have the engineers do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, the the perk too, and Preston and I's position on the marketing team, you know, when we do videos and things for products or how tos, none of that is is scripted. We we are fortunate that we can throw our cameras on engineers, ask them a question, and they will rattle off. Uh, you know, most times it's an answer that you can understand, but yeah. from our side on the video, it, it makes our job easy. A lot of the time we've got some, some pretty good folks over here. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Um, right off the bat engineering. Okay. And I'm looking at this behind you. I'm looking at these designs of these, uh, this ammunition, these bullets and whatnot. What? So I I'm green, right? I look at a bullet and I go, Hey, this is a bullet, right? I put it in a gun. That matches this, and I pull the trigger, and it goes off. How how much R and D is done these days on new designs of ammunition? Is this something that is is this a category that has plateaued, or is this continue like con, is there continued innovation in this category? Oh, it's con, it's continued innovation for sure. Um, brass has been used to make cartridge cases for eons at this point and and there's some experimental stuff you know going on with with other folks in the industry uh, for cartridge case material but brass has been pretty static for a very long time now on the other hand powder that does nothing but innovate these days you know the amount of new powders that have come out in the last seven years since i've started here i can't put on two hands um bullet design is always getting better i mean that and that's what hornady is first and foremost we're a bullet manufacturer mm -hmm. yes we make ammo yes we make reloading tools but the bullets make the h is what they like to say the hornady so and and i couldn't agree more we make just a, a, an insane amount of bullets and we're always innovating with them because if we can get a bullet to the target faster or with less wind or with less drop or with more efficiency 
we're going to do it. So the ballisticians are always working on new bullets design. The powder companies are always uh, doing new powder designs as well and coming up with new stuff there. So uh, we have not plateaued uh, at all, yeah. I'd say, in the, in the ammunition world. Well, I would even add on to that as far as, you know, the tools that our engineering staff have available, that, you know, now compared to yeah. what it used to be. You know, as long as they get the okay from down the hall, which is pretty easy process. You know, if we can use a tool, Doppler radar for say, uh, you know, we've done so much with that thing. And the fact that Doppler radar is being used to track bullets yeah. is just, it blows my mind. <laughs> but so, yeah, it's just, it's never ending. Okay. So now you have to explain that. You can't just go, hey, we use Doppler radar. You got to, you got to explain to me how you guys use Doppler radar in your R&D. Sure, sure. So in prior years, you would use acoustic microphones or shoot through chronographs and things like that, and you'd set them up downrange, right? Okay. For an archery example, let's say you'd set one up at 20, you'd set one up at 60, like if you were going to do this mm -hmm. with archery, which, you know, you can use a chronograph for archery, but typically it's at the bow, right? Mm -hmm. But we want to know what the bullet's doing downrange because we need to calculate a ballistic coefficient for it, and now we're actually using a, a drag curve for it but in the old days a ballistic coefficient you plug that into your ballistics calculator with a muzzle velocity and some weather conditions and it would spit out you know i need to hold this high or i need to you know come up this much in my scope um to hit a target downrange. it's mm -hmm. not just put the crosshairs on it and pull the trigger we're shooting long distance right the doppler can actually track the bullet the entire length of its flight I believe it's like, I can't remember the number, but it's like. Well, every couple feet, two to three feet. Like every, less. every less than a yard, it can track a bullet for a couple thousand yards. Wow. So what we can find out with that is a number one, an entire drag curve for a bullet. So we know what it's going to do the whole time. Where in the past, you'd only know where it's going to, what it's going to do at two different distances. Okay. Um, so essentially, we can get much, much more accurate things out of it. Um, so you're not just seeing like two thousand yards. You're seeing the potential mile it could travel. Yeah. If if yeah. you had the space. Yeah, and it essentially kind of gave us the ability to make our uh, ballistics program, which we call Ford off. So if you go right now. To the app store google play store you can go and download the hornady ballistics app with ford off and if you have a bullet that you're using that's in our ford off library and you put accurate inputs in it it'll give you accurate outputs to as far as you can imagine shooting for the most part okay and that's a free app for free okay awesome all right so um kind of taking a backward step there now and I want to talk a little bit about the components of a bullet. Okay. Um, obviously you have the casing, the powder, uh, the end, like both ends of it or whatever. So what is it about the materials that make up the component that make a quality ammunition? Well, like I said, powder technology has gotten so much better over the last few years. So essentially we can, we can, there's appropriate burn rates for our, all cartridges of powders, right? So we want to use a, an appropriate burn rate car, uh, powder in the cartridge that gives it good accuracy. And then number two, I think for the most part, we're looking for temperature stability, right? Back in the day, you'd go get some surplus powder and you'd shoot it at 
30 degrees and it would be let's for an example say 3,000 feet per second but then you go shoot it at 100 degrees and it's 3150 so temperature swings uh, via just powder itself hmm. uh, can actually cause some some issues so temperature stable powders you know you might be seeing point two to point seven feet per second uh, increase or de- decrease per degree of, of external you know temperature so you got to use um, temperature stable powders a good bullet we hand inspect all of our cartridges here still to this day which is kind of crazy in today's age but mm-hmm. right out there if we walked outside of the studio and walked down the stairs there's a whole mess of people hand inspecting ammunition that looks like jewelry yeah um you know we're also testing bullets as we make them start of run we have accuracy expectations or accuracy goals or not goals but yeah what's the word i'm looking for crying out loud just a criteria that accuracy they... criteria that yeah. the yeah. bullet has to make in order for the press to go off and run okay and then if something happens on the press we send it back down to the lab and it gets shot again it's got to meet accuracy and then we do the same thing with ammunition as well Okay. And so how walk us through kind of how you measure that. You know, I envision a guy with a gun on the factory line pulling a trigger and testing, you know, testing the the end the bullet to see if it goes off and does what it's supposed to do. And then throughout the day, you have the same amount so you you see the accuracy or the uh, the consistency in the manufacturing process is that how it's done or how do you how do you actually test quality so for down in the lab uh, in our main facility we've got a 200 yard indoor underground tunnel perfect so free of any exterior factors the guys will actually load up the bullets in uh, in cartridge cases and then we've got an accuracy fixture that takes Uh, 1.2 or 1.25 straight contour barreled actions and they'll put it in the accuracy fixture so that thing's not moving and then it's got it actually a pneumatic trigger so they can close the door fire it off behind closed doors Mm -hmm. and they'll shoot it for accuracy in an indoor tunnel yeah so it's not quite as fun as one may think yeah (laughs) Uh, we used to give give tours back uh uh, a, a few years back and everybody would go down to the tunnel on the tours and say, man, yeah. you guys got the best job in the world shooting <laughs> guns all day. And it's like, well, we're really just pushing this button right here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do it for eight hours and then tell me how you, how you like yeah. it. Yeah. Um, well, that's awesome. Uh, now kind of going back to the components, what makes a quality powder? Uh, as far as powder goes, I mean, we're, we're probably not the experts on that, but to me, uh, I've always had good luck as a hand loader with extruded base or extruded single base powders. Uh, single base seems to be a little bit more temperature stable, maybe a little less temperamental, but essentially um, there's there's certain powders that are historically accurate powders in cartridges. One, for example, being H4350. I'm sure you've probably heard of the 6.5 Creedmoor. Uh, mm-hmm. We like to say it's the overnight success that took 10 years yeah <laughs> uh that was actually uh, introduced in 2007 for 2008 and, and until i got to hornady i hadn't heard of it huh. um, but it, it's obviously hugely popular now but h4350 works really well in that uh, particular cartridge case reloader 16 works extremely well imr4350 it just a, a certain burn rate seems to work really well for 
a certain sized cartridge pushing uh, a certain weight of bullet. Okay. Well, Go ahead. And on the on the bullet side of things, you know, we could probably talk about that just a little bit. You know, just like anything, I would say, you know, consistency is, is king. Mm-hmm. You know, so as far as accuracy goes, if you got a little something wonky on a jacket on one bullet versus the other, you know, they're definitely not going to fly the same. So consistency, and I mean, that goes out to, I'm not exactly sure how often it is that we change our tooling on the press, but, you know, if there's accuracy issues going on, you know, they'll either fix the tooling or it'll be all new tooling because that'll wear, you know, on the press as it goes. But, you know, overall, in my opinion, you know, looking at it from layman's terms, you know, consistency, and that goes for, you know, the bullet's actual weight as well. Right. Okay. Um, you mentioned earlier. Now, now, just so I'm clear here, you guys use another company's powder to put in your in your bullets, um, and you guys do that at your factory and then ship them out. Correct. Okay. All right. All right. So before that, you mentioned something about you know brass was you know uh, brass has been kind of king for several years or you know f- for eons or whatever. And talk to us about why that is, and then also talk to us about some of the new materials that are being used in bullet creation these days. Well, brass is is a number one. It it's it's the right hardness essentially for what we needed to do. We needed to be strong yet slightly elastic, mm-hmm. right? Because when we fire that cartridge in the chamber, it swells to the cart to the chamber walls, and then it has to be able to shrink back just a little bit right so it's got that a little bit of elasticity copper would be too soft you can use steel although it doesn't shrink as much um, with thinner walled cartridge cases maybe like a 223 or 762 or 39 stuff that you typically see steel cases with you can get by with it but brass is just the right material for what we need to do hard enough yet mount you know has the right amount of, of springiness to it Okay. And um, new materials, we haven't really got into that. There's some other companies out there talking like, I want to say polymer. I mean, we, we haven't got into it, but the other companies have, they're on a very small scale. Gotcha. So your guys' main focus yeah. is brass then still. Yeah. Yep. Gotcha. Um, what is it about the design? Because obviously pulling a trigger, you know, j- causes an explosion. All right. A, a controlled explosion. What is it about the your guys's design or just designs of bullets in general get that that keeps that explosion uh, controlled and consistent firing the projectile and not just blowing the gun up well let's just let's just fix well the terminology there it's it's not an explosion okay a a primer is an explosive right okay Uh, but what it does is it ignites a burn of powder Gotcha. Now, all that's happening very quickly, right? Sometimes at 65,000 pounds of pressure, but it is a burn rather than ex- than an explosion. Good to know. And the, the pressure, I mean, that's set by Sammy standard. So, right. you know, there's, there's a standard out there that all ammo manufacturers have to stick to to be within Sammy spec. So, yeah, Sam, okay. Sammy is a sporting arms and ammunition manufacturers institute. So, Remington, Winchester, Federal... Hornady, um, Browning, you know, anybody that makes a gun or, or ammunition on a large scale for the most part are members of Sammy. And so Sammy has a, a set um, 
stack of tolerances for cartridge case and chamber dimensions and then also pressure limits that they have to be upheld to and we all share like reference ammunition okay. and stuff so if if federal wants to make one of our case designs they can and we have reference ammunition so that they can um, set their pressure barrels to the appropriate uh, Spec, level yeah. so, you know make sure every everybody's operating the same way gotcha all right so there's the composition of a bullet you know there's so many different variations of you know different bullets out there um what what seems to be and i know there's i mean this is this is just like pandora's box at this point where we can talk about it can go any direction and so um, i'm just going to ask a very high level question how do you guys determine what type of ammunition you're going to design and uh, manufacture every year um, in order to kind of meet the needs of Hornady's customers? Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question because we're spread out across the world, right? We're right. a worldwide company. So what people need in Europe is different than what guys in Utah need, mm -hmm. you know, wildly different. What guys in Iowa need is wildly different than what Western hunters need for the most part. Right. Um, so yeah, we, we have to play a balancing game. Obviously we don't, we don't have a press for ammo, every ammo skew that we make, that would be really neat and an operator to run it, but yeah. it's just not the reality. So, um, obviously we, we've seen what's selling, what the demand is for, what, um, is on order. So we're able to keep track of that, but you know, we have to have 243 for guys East and West, and we have to have 300 PRC for guys out West and. I don't know. I think I think our sales team does a really good job of allocating that stuff, you know, when it does get made and putting it out all over the different places. That way everybody has a chance to do it. But um, over the last few years, we've been behind just like everybody else as far as not being able to get enough stuff made. So we've always got heavy hitters, you know, six arc, six Creedmore, six five PRC, six five uh, Creedmore, 300 PRC. Those are constantly being run. 308 still huge you know but everything gets its turn right except for i'd say in times like we've had in the last few years some of the almost obsolete cartridges that we like to keep around you know those might get run every couple of years okay all right yeah. i mean and then that's a that's a tough job on on the ammo manufacturing side of things and then even our, our sales crew allocating to to certain customers and whatnot and I don't want any I don't, part I don't of that. You know, some of the phone calls I'm sure that they've had, and yeah, it's it's tough. But you know, it seems to be be getting a little better here now that we're a, a couple of years out of the craze. Yeah, what was it? Because um, I know there was a crazy ammunition shortage um, on a variety of different uh, ammunitions. Uh, my dad was complaining that he couldn't get uh, some bullets. I know, uh, I believe it was like nine millimeter was hard to find for a while. Um, what what caused that, and is it rebounding? Well, there's several factors that caused it. I would say, uh, but a number one, you know, COVID nineteen came about. Yep. Uh, people were freaking out. There's riots and all this stuff, right? So, I believe in. 2019 or 2020 whatever the year was there were seven million new gun owners yeah yeah and so those people all need ammo too and typically you know that you get a new gun you might get a couple boxes well talk at the gun store is like yeah. well ammo's hard to get so well, let's get as much as we can yeah and then that happened with the already existing gun owners 
um, you know, people that would buy a couple boxes are buying a case. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just compounding. Change of the political office, you know, that yeah, switched over that from one side something. to the other. So there was a little bit of bump in, you know, purchases there just because of the scarcity. You know, you don't know when you're going to lose it. So, yeah. you know, people were buying because of that. Yeah, but the, the the gun owners was a was a huge part of it, too. But yeah, just when when things get weird like that, I mean, you guys see guys like us, good. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. guys like us that 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 love to shoot, we're worried about getting it in the future, so we right. get as much as we can. It just it gets bad, but yeah, I would definitely say it's rebounding some. I think nine mil and two twenty three. You know those commodity type. Uh, ammos are, I, you know, I walk into sportsman's, I see a whole freaking rack of them at this point. I think those are, are, are caught up on and that's allowing everybody to get the other stuff made. Again. Okay. You brought up a good point there, Judd, about, um, like the, the political climate and how that can sometimes control ammunition or gun sales and things like that. What is it, what it, do you guys ever have to, when, when it comes down to like your design and, uh, you know, saying, okay, well, Hey, we got this great idea. Are there any laws in place or, or, or steps that you have to go through politically, uh, or regulation wise before you sell ammunition to make sure it meets, I don't know, like th- the, the rules and regulations set for ammunition. Uh, maybe Preston could say something, but on the actual manufacturing or design of a product, you know, we hit on Sammy earlier, you know, as long as it's a safe product. Yeah. Uh, but I would say the issues that we're running into are almost more on the marketing side now Okay. of, you know, targeted marketing. And there's a lot of stuff going on in California. You know, we're always having meetings about things we can and can't do in California. So. I would say the marketing side is more restricted, you know, whether that be, you know, marketing to a certain age limit, you know, we can't go under whatever age, uh, you can't target kids, you know, you can't do so much, uh, tactical type, mm-hmm. you know, photography and video stuff. So yeah, there's, I'd say on the marketing side, we run into more issues uh, on, you know, that side of things, but yeah and it's it's literally just a political thing it it seems like at this point just yeah. to make it hard for us essentially yeah. is what yeah. they're doing yeah um I, as far as like like designing a new cartridge for example like 7prc was done i don't know years ago <laughs> two and a half years ago three years ago and we only released it in october gotcha. just because the timing wasn't right you know yeah. there's way too much demand for all the other existing stuff so stuff like that does happen um, but as long as uh, it's approved by Sammy, you know, which is collectively, you know, all of the ammo and gun makers, we can go ahead and, and do our own designs. Okay. All right. Um, and then let's talk a little bit. Let's kind of jump into the hunting side uh, space right now. And um, let's talk about some popular, you know, cause, cause obviously if you're going to be, a, if you're going to shoot a, a rifle in the East, uh, you may not have as far to shoot. Uh, you know, you're, you're restricted by trees and, and other houses and smaller parcels. And out west, man, there's it seems like there's guys who are shooting. I just watched an elk, a guy shoot an elk at like 1,900 yards, which was blew my mind. 
and I was just like, holy cow, that you could see the vapor trail and everything go. And so that, I mean, it was, it was a cool shot, but, um, talk to us a, a little bit about some of your most popular ammunition for, let's say guys east of the Mississippi who are hunting whitetails. Yeah, I would say 450 Bushmaster is, is our most, you know, it's in the top five of rifle cartridges every year. Yeah. Ever since all the straight wall stuff started happening in all the individual states, which I believe you guys are in as well. Yep, we're a straight wall. We now have a straight wall cartridge that's allowed during our, well, I guess you would call it the shotgun season, but so during our firearm right. season. So, yeah. Yeah. And so Michigan was one of those as well. I believe Illinois was as well but yeah 450 bushmaster seems to be hugely popular um and you're right you know you're not it's hard to find a a longer shot uh, in those heavily wooded areas Mm -hmm. um so you don't really need a long ball you know 300 prc 7 prc something that you know, and, and you say 1900 yard shot. And then my ma- my mind was just automatically thinking how much energy is left out of all the cartridges yeah. that are out there. And I'm like, that's a, that's, that's a long shot. Yeah. Uh, I might have to look at that one. Yeah. You have to I, tell me off camera where, yeah, where, yeah. where it was. Um, so what is it about that round that makes it so popular? Uh, I would say it was the first, it was the first straight wall cartridge that was really out there. Uh, that was modern that would fit in an ar-15 that's probably the big thing it was designed around the ar-15 okay post ban you know you can just go get them they're ready to hunt yeah you can put an upper on an existing ar-15 and and they're stupid accurate somehow well and i i don't understand it like it's 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 a straight wall cartridge with a big old hole but it just makes one big ragged hole most times and there's there's a lot of them out there now we just did that podcast the other day of i can't remember what year 2006 2007 i think 2006 so yeah since 2007 there there's how many 450 bushmaster platforms out there so right you know if, if people already got them you know that's the struggle with you know new cartridges well you got to have the rifle too so it's kind of a whole system where you know if people already have them out there yeah it's it's going to be popular for that fact right there yeah and there's some new guys on the scene 350 legend and the 400 legend i think there's a there's a bunch of them out there now that are a little bit smaller and attempt to take a little bit of the recoil out um although the 450 is not bad if you're just hunting with it i i don't think Gotcha. All right. Now let's shift west of the Mississippi, you know, maybe maybe past Iowa and we go into some of the open country in Nebraska and out west, you know, for for bigger game, you know, mule deer, elk, things like that, maybe pronghorn. Um, what seems to be the, the most popular round in, in that environment? If I had to pick just one, I'd say 6.5 PRC. Yeah. I mean, if and, and you know. If I'm going elk hunting, I'm taking a 7 or a 300 PRC, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't hesitate to take my 6.5 PRC if that's all that I had. But it shoots a super high ballistic coefficient bullet 200 feet per second faster than a 6.5 Creedmoor, still in a short action rifle. You know, so a long action cartridge, 3.340, or in the 300 PRC's case, 3.7 inches in length. This guy's down at 2.950, and it packs a punch, and it's fast, and it's yeah. flat, and it bucks the wind really well. Okay. Well, I would say too. It depend. I mean, if you're elk hunting, you know, you're probably using something else. If you're you're deer or antelope hunting, you know, I'd throw a six five Creedmoor in there. It's, yeah. It's got to be one of the more popular ones too. But then, yeah, as you get up, I mean, 
we've got our, our line of the precision rifle cartridges uh, starting at the 6.5, the 7, and the 300. So those have, have been super popular. And, uh, you know, just the technology has changed. You know, I, I was going to mention a, a little bit when you started this question here. And, you know, just like we said at the start, the tools that we have, the engineers have, and even the consumers, the shooters have now in the last 10 years, 15 years has just blown you know the the from you know measuring the weather measuring the wind speed to the ballistic apps that we oh, have using doppler radar my it's first like, rangefinder was something yeah. i could barely afford in high school right <laughs> yeah right and it would range out to like maybe 400 yards on a reflective target yeah now you know vortex has got the crossfire rangefinder which is super affordable same price but yep. it'll range out to what a thousand yards yeah, just, yeah. It's, just, it's getting so much better the technology well yeah and, and the cartridges you know every cartridge has its place as far as you know past cartridges go and then even on the new side you know the bullets that the prcs are shooting now and the creedmoor are shooting now you know the twist rates that are spec for those rifles you know the past cartridges from a sammy spec you know or for a twist rate spec they couldn't shoot these bullets so you know, stabilize them yeah they're, yeah they're just too big too heavy but the bc goes up with that uh so that's why like you talked about the 1900 yard shot yeah that's a that's a crazy poke but the technology that people have at their fingertips now yeah. to, to calculate that shot is just mind-blowing for yeah. free for the most part yeah. minus rangefinder yeah 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 is there is there a round you know, so there's obviously there's a whole bunch of guys. You got your experts who, you know, they're going to use different rounds in different scenarios. And then you have guys probably like me. If I was going to buy a rifle, uh, I would buy one rifle and I would teach myself one round, like educate myself on one round that would do the most work. Is there a workhorse round that a guy could, you know, use on whitetails in, on the east and then take a trip? out west and be successful with that round doing any western type hunt there's several of them but i mean i think the king of them right now is the seven millimeter prc okay yeah i will say though i mean it's a lot of just preference though too. it is yeah. it you is said seven millimeter i said there's a lot of them the thing that hits me for the last 10 nine years six five creed i've i've done almost everything with the six five creedmoor yeah my wife shot an elk with the six so, five creedmoor. So yeah i mean, killed it stone dead you know yeah it, it's a lot of just just preference i mean there's so, so you guys ever get in fights that... at the office and just, like, disagreeing <laughs> oh, yeah. all the time like uh-uh you're wrong six five is better yeah. that's all we yeah. do <laughs> well and i mean i'd go to you know shooters we go to shows and we see youtube comments and social media comments you know everybody has their preference you know oh, yeah. there, there may not be one right answer so you know it, it yeah everybody's different and a lot of the cartridges that are out there will work just fine <laughs> yeah that's yeah. not wrong yeah but i would say seven prc I that's can... what i would do okay well, getting on another tangent here too though you know depending on that cartridge so you say seven i say six five if I was going on a deer hunt, I'm going to choose a different bullet 
most likely right. than what I would use if I was going on an elk hunt. I would shoot a, a solid monolithic or CX bullet out of six five for an elk. Whereas if I'm going on a deer hunt, I'd either shoot the the hundred grain interlock or the ELDX. So you know, there's things you can do with a cartridge to kind of push you one way or another on what kind of game you're going after. Okay. And I and I disagree. Because <laughs> I just shoot the 175 ELDX on everything. Yeah. Man, it's I, all personal preference. Right. I, I tell you, um, in, in archery they have it. I'm sure in firearms they have it. But I can remember going to a wine tasting with my wife. And we sat next to this lady who was the the biggest snob like oh i this is ugh, I, this is disgusting i will never drink a bottle of wine under 40 dollars. well and i'm just like who are you like you know what i mean D- does the ammunition world have ammo snobs oh yeah yeah ammo snob ammo snobs and, and bullet snobs bullet snobs okay yeah all right and we see them in the comments. And that's you we see we see you no 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 but obviously we we run the youtube channel right you know so uh, we'll put out a video. It, it's funny. What what think what makes a person think that they'll put a comment on a video that could potentially live in the world forever is just astonishing to right. me. But we'll put out a video, like a sweet video, something nice, and then totally irrespective or unrelated to the subject, somebody will throw in a dig at us <laughs> and say something else is better. It's like, come on. Like, nice shirt, buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this nice old man came to see us. Uh, burgers better than you. No, it's like, come on, <laughs> figure it out, guys. That's funny. Um, one buzzword that I hear when talking about ammunition is stopping power. What is stopping power, and and how does that how how do you connect that buzzword into hunting different species of animals? Well, I would say. Please go to the Hornady podcast on any platform or YouTube and check out our episode. I believe 64 is Terminal Ballistics with our head lead ballistician, Jaden Quinlan. Now, I will say there's essentially three systems that you need in order to kill an animal or, or one of them. And, and so you have the nervous system, and that's mm-hmm. gonna that's the electric system within an animal. And that may be disrupted but not necessarily always lethal there's the circulatory system which is blood right Mm -hmm. and then there's the respiratory system which is air Mm -hmm. right so i i would encourage you to to watch that podcast but i would say as far as stopping power well any 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 ammo can have stopping power depending on shot placement um but a lot of times you'll see somebody shoot something on the internet and it drops right well, that's because its central nervous system was disrupted somehow. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rare from what I've seen that something gets hit and is dead before it hits the ground. Yes, it may hit the ground, but it's not quite dead yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Its lungs have to fill up with blood, and essentially you have to prevent the brain from getting oxygenated blood, mm-hmm. and that's what yeah. expires an animal. And on the game side, yeah, Preston's right. It, it is very dependent with with any bullet with any cartridge any manufacturer you know shot placement is extremely important you know just like in archery side uh to break this down you know maybe a little little bit easier to understand we do high speed video shots of all of all expanding bullets uh 
So, you know, we're looking at a, a nice two foot long by probably 10 inches block of ballistics gelatin. So, you know, from my perspective, when I'm running the camera, you know, the engineers are doing their thing. But from my perspective, you know, there's a, a balance, you know, depending on let's let's talk for a whitetail type projectile. You know, it's 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 dumping energy as far as the expansion goes and then penetration. So you're kind of balancing, you know, maybe even three things, throwing weight retention in there. You know, you're balancing how much penetration you're getting with the weight retention of the projectile to get that penetration. And then as it's expanding, it's dumping energy to, you know, create the, the wider wound channel. So you're kind of balancing all that from the ballistic gelatin side of things, from what I see, that's kind of what, uh, you know, the juggling act is. And, you know, just to go on a, on a little tangent here about how, you know, we may do that, Preston may be able to to talk on this but as far as the bullet design goes you know a bigger cavity in the in the front and the tip of the bullet with a polymer tip that pushes back into that cavity well that promotes more expansion that pushes the jacket and some of the core out to promote expansion uh, there's interlock rings that we put in the bullet jacket into the lead core to kind of to to stop as much as we can the expansion process for higher weight retention and then there's solid monolithic projectiles that will have 95% weight retention that won't shed much energy. So there's a, a juggling act of all sorts of things to, to promote expansion, penetration, weight retention. So it's a no-brainer. You shoot, a, you shoot an animal in the heart or the lungs, and, and it's, uh, you know, it hits both lungs, more than likely it's going to die. You hit them in the heart, more than likely it's going to die. You spine them and they shut off, more than likely they're going to die. But what's the most important thing when it comes to bullet performance on marginal shots, let's say like guts or uh, on into a heavy bone, like front shoulder in front of the in vitals or even back in the ham? Oh, I would say a front shoulder shot versus a gut shot are opposite ends of the spectrum, right? Right. Depending on, depending on the critter, you know, if you say, say it's on an elk, right, mm-hmm. that scapula is actually pretty darn thick and tough. Yep. So, uh, as long as you get penetration through that scapula and into some lungs and have adequate, I would say adequate, um, uh, temporary wound cavity made after it goes through, uh, depending on bullet design, it, it's going to be a, a lethal hit, right? Mm-hmm. If you, like you said, if you get into that second lung, chances are it's, it's done, right? But right. if it goes through and just blows up, maybe gets one lung or zero lungs that's not a dead animal it's not a dead critter whereas if you were shooting a monolithic bullet that judd was talking about gets 100 percent weight retention for the most part and penetrates through 36 inches of gelatin it's going to go through that shoulder still create a temporary wound cavity that's quite impressive and a permanent wound cavity that causes you know uh, lungs to fill up and respiratory system to be done right so that's a that's a dead critter Gut shots are a little bit tricky, right? As lo- if you don't get um, a massive amount of blood loss or disrupt anything in the central nervous system, there's a chance that you're not going to find that critter, and maybe it'll die days later. But you will have it'll have lost you by then. Okay, and and so is there, you know, 
the hard part here is breaking, like, if I knew that I was going to shoot an animal in the gut, I would want this bullet sure. it, versus if I knew I was going to shoot him in the gun or excuse me, in the lungs, I would want this bullet. Is there a, a performance difference or um, as far as hunters are concerned, do we just go, hey, this is the best for a vital shot? Well, obviously, the vital shot's what we want, but I would say, yeah, if you get a lead core bullet that's actually going to lose a little bit of its weight and dump energy, if you shoot it in the guts, then maybe a piece of that bullet travels outside of the wound cavity and hits the spine, mm -hmm. that's obviously the idea, or a piece of it goes off into a lung, that's going to help, whereas a monolithic's just going to go right through it. Gotcha. So the way I was, right when you said that, Dan, the, what crossed my mind, let's compare it to archery fixed blades and expandable oh my what are you doing here judd you're starting something well but i'm saying you know because i've i've you know toyed with each one what do i shoot this and that yep and uh as far as fixed blade and expandables the way i'm gonna compare the bullet side of things i actually lean the same way fixed blade expandable so i would compare again layman's terms here but i would compare a fixed blade broadhead is similar to a monolithic one okay. of the, the solid projectiles so i mean that's going to get you the penetration it's going to get you a nice wound cavity mm -hmm. also but it's going to get you the uh the penetration so then on the expandable broadhead side i would go with more of a traditional cup and core lead core projectile uh that is designed to dump energy to expand rapidly you know, you may not have that high weight retention on the back end. I mean, it'll still be 50 And you may not get the penetration that you would. But that is going to dump energy and shock and, and trauma, you know, a, a bit more than what that solid projectile will do. So to compare a little bit, you could maybe make those comparisons. And for just me, I'm, I like the, the shock, the expansion, you know. Uh, so I tend to go with the more traditional style lead core bullets and on the archery side, I go with an expandable broadhead. So, you know, it, it, again, it, it's just, it's just preference, but I think you could make that comparison I between think the a, two. That's a fair analogy. Yeah, I yeah. do. Well, it actually makes sense to me. So thank you yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah. And I don't feel so dumb right now. Uh, <laughs> and, and so Preston, I saw you smiling there. It sounds like, do you again disagree and do you like the monolithic <laughs> round? So, when I'm rifle hunting, I like a lead core bullet. Okay. I really do. The expandable type. When I'm bow hunting, I'm a fixed blade guy. Okay. Well, now you're going to have to rethink that. <laughs> no, no. Okay. I'm going to stick to fixed blades. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about Hornady overall then. Uh, as far as a guy who's listening to this, and they may be shooting another brand uh, right now, but they're listening to us talk, and they're like, well, you know, I'm, I'm interested in Hornady. What is it about Hornady that makes what you feel, guys, makes you so special or, or might set you apart from the rest of the companies out there who do the same thing you do? Well, I, I think you have to start with the history a little bit. You know, we were started in 1949 by Joyce Hornady who wanted a better bullet for himself, just like we were talking. If we in the office want something, we'll just make it, and a lot of times it becomes a product. Well, that's what he was doing uh, post-World War II, right? Um, <clears throat> he unfortunately died in a plane crash on the way to SHOT Show in 1981. Okay. And 
family was faced with some difficult times and probably some decisions to sell the company or not. And we're still here and we're family owned, right? We're the largest privately owned bullet maker, I believe, in the world. Um, and we take great pride in everything that we do. Like we said, all the ammo's hand inspected. Uh, and then at the same time, I would say we're users of the product. Yeah. Yeah. yeah family owned and operated. Steve and Jason Hornady are in weekly for sure you know they travel and they have sales meetings and they're they're doing a lot but as far as their involvement in the company 100 yeah. percent. so they still partake and then on the hunting side jason is is better than steve steve's to a point now where he's got a little more freedom where he is gone all fall he's hunting <laughs> you know not all fall i shouldn't i shouldn't say that that's probably gonna come back to bite me but you know they they, they live and breathe hunting and shooting and i would just build on that from our from the, the employees here from all of us, you know, it's, it's awesome to come to work and be able to, to talk. There's days our, before our rifle season where oh, yeah. nothing gets done. <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. Well, so th- I was going to take that a different way, Preston. I was going to turn I'm it into a positive. Honest. So, I mean, what is a positive? Well, we come to work and talk about our passion, but yet that's work. So it's like, man, it, yeah. it, and that drives, you know, so, uh, I would say from the from the employee side, you know, the, the the personnel that gets hired at Hornady are users. They are that person with passion. You know, they have on the engineering side, especially and our marketing side too, sales. You know, everybody you know has the education that they need. But if if you don't have exactly that, but you have the passion and and you're the right fit, you know, the passion just drives you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if you've got all the schooling on engineering in the world, but this isn't your passion, you know, it's a little tricky to, you know, get excited about bullets. And, you know, with everybody participating in this sport for, for a primarily good chunk, you know, everybody wants to make good, better products for themselves, which yeah. translates to, you know, putting a better product out there for the, the shooters and, and hunters out there. So, yeah. You know, I, I keep, from my perspective, I keep saying the, the passion, you know, everybody for the most part lives and breathes it here. Yeah. And you, and you said you don't do a whole lot of rifle shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But like, for an example, you've heard of six, five Creedmoor. We created the six, five Creedmoor, the six arc, the six Creedmoor, the six, five PRC, the 300 PRC, the seven PRC, all in the last 10 years. Right. And those are probably what I would call the most popular rifle cartridges out there right now yeah and they are because they work you can you can only market something you can only prop something up for so long until people realize that it doesn't work yeah but these things stand for themselves and and we're making products that people want to use and enjoy using yeah and are better than what we had available before yeah yeah it's awesome just listening to this conversation man because i i feel like if you can be as big as you want, but if you start, if you start detaching away from what made the company great in the first place, there's, in my opinion, there's always some kind of loss that happens, right? And it sounds like Hornady has, is not only growing, but has kept what has made it great. And, and so that's what I, that's, even though I don't use your products, even though I don't know anything about guns, um, I I can tell you that just 
the brand itself stands out because of that reason. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate you noticing. Yeah. That's awesome. And it, the opposite is true with, with some of the other brands. I mean, especially in the archery world, once, once you get sold and, and you go to like a big giant conglomerate and you, it just, some of my favorite products over the years have just been lost. Uh, from a technical yeah. standpoint and, and it pisses me off but that's again personal so um i i first off i, I just want to say thank you guys for taking time out of your day i really appreciate it um you've you've already mentioned the app that's free you can go and, and download that um if are there any other resources available for people to go investigate your guys's uh, products uh, and be i guess become better educated on hornady Sure. Well, the, the, the app, we also have a, a reloading guide app, um, which is essentially our, our loading manual, all thick reloading manual. If you're into that, there's some information in there about the bullets themselves, but then also just Hornady.com, right? Mm -hmm. And you can see a lot of stuff on Hornady.com, but if you're technical, like I think your listeners are, and like we are, mm -hmm. we have a podcast as well, and we've done a lot of deep dives on cartridge specifics bullet specifics um ballistics in general uh you can kind of get yourself overwhelmed with that yeah uh, if you really want to yeah yeah i mean yeah give us a call talk to the guys upstairs we go to quite a few shows in our in our world in our industry we go to a lot of different shooting competitions you know there's there's a lot of us around so yeah you know the, the biggest thing and jason preaches it day in and day out you know hornady as a whole jason's perspective is number one we need to be easy to do business with right you know it, you need to make it as easy as possible if that's communication if that's you know getting a message across to a customer if that's whatever just number one hornady needs to be easy to do business with absolutely that makes perfect sense judd preston uh, really appreciate your guys' time today. So thank you very much, and uh, you guys are welcome back anytime. Hey, Thanks for you having just us. Just let us know. <laughs>